you're going to give God the greatest praise you've given him all week tonight. Shout with a voice of triumph. Leap with praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, God, we praise you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. You're the first and the last, the beginning and the end, God, and we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise all over the house tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Exalt the name of the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord right now. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Yes. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Is anybody thankful for what they feel in ARC tonight? Hallelujah. Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise team. Thankful for what God is doing in ARC. I'm thankful for a music and ministry team that knows how to minister, knows how to usher in the presence of the Lord and set the stage to where God can begin to move in each and every one of our lives. Are you thankful for that tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. If you have your Bibles tonight, I do want to get into the Word of the Lord. I'm going to be opening in Jeremiah 18, verse 1. We've had an amazing move of God over the course of the last few months at ARC, and I greatly appreciate each and every you, all the saints of ARC, for creating an atmosphere of praise and worship where God can begin to move. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm also very thankful for our pastor and first lady, not only for allowing me to speak tonight, for, for staying in the will of God and the headship that they provide for this congregation. They do an amazing job, and I'm greatly appreciative of them. Let's give them a hand clap as well. Hallelujah. Getting into the word of the Lord tonight, I'm going to begin reading in Jeremiah 18, verse 1. And I'll be reading through verse 6, and it reads, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Everybody say it was marred. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Verse 4 specifically highlights that this clay wasn't perfect, that it was marred and it had imperfections. As we read on to verse 5, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, and this is proposing the question, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, the O house of Israel. The voice of the Lord says, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And for the next couple of moments tonight, I want to preach to us on this thought, the potter's hands. Set your Bibles down as we begin to pray all over the house tonight. God, we feel you in this house right now, Lord. God, I feel that your word is anointed, God. I believe we created an atmosphere, Lord, where you'll be able to speak and move in each and every life tonight, Lord. And as we begin to usher in your presence even more, God, I believe that you'll begin to move, Jesus, in each and every family, each and every life, each and every mind, soul, and heart tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated all over the house tonight. The potter's hands. 
In our text, we begin to read how Jeremiah was told by the voice of the Lord to go to the potter's house. And when he arrived to the potter's house, he began to watch as this potter would work with the clay. If you've ever seen pottery in action, it is a very involved process and it's a very consuming process. And I picture Jeremiah watching as the potter begins to form and shift this clay in his hands as he's attempting to create this work of art. The Bible says that the clay was marred, and as I mentioned earlier, this means that there was some sort of defect or whatever may have been occurred when the potter was making this object from the clay. We read on that the potter hadn't given up, but rather changed the approach with the clay. It said that the potter made it again into another vessel, and that which it seemed good. And as Jeremiah is watching this right in front of him, he begins to be prompted with a question from the Lord, asking him, along the lines of, do you believe that I could do with you as this potter did with the clay? And then the Lord said, just as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. And I would imagine that Jeremiah begins to process this and what it means as he's hearing it, similar to how you guys are doing right now. You see, this process of being a potter requires a potter to give the clay its undivided attention. Shifting the clay with his hands, molding it into something of value and watching as the clay begins to form step by step. The potter will have a vision for what they want to make, whether it be a vase or a cup of something or a variety. And the potter will begin to mold the clay as they see fit, as they are closely monitoring as a clay reacts to being shifted and molded. Being a potter isn't easy, and there are several things that m could go wrong when attempting to make a piece of pottery. One of which I'd like to highlight this evening is how the clay responds to its environment. You see, the clay in and of itself is easily influenced by the environment that it's in. If it's a little bit too cold, the clay will become hard to mold. It won't shift very well. And then contrary to the cold, if the clay is a little bit too hot, it won't hold up as intended. It won't hold its shape. Another portion of its environment would be if there's a little bit too much water in the clay, it'll act as the loose mud, and it won't hold its shape. And then contrary to that as well is if there's a if there's not enough water with the clay, it has a hard time taking its shape and sticking together when attempting to be molded. You see, what amazes me about the barriers that the clay faces is that most of the things that would make the clay difficult to use would be, like I said, its environment. In this particular example, it's not a matter of the potter's hands that will not allow the clay to mold, but the environment that the clay is in. Church, we have to be careful about the environment that we put ourselves in. You see, the hands of the potter our possibilities are endless. We have endless potential. But if we begin to put ourselves in an environment where we cannot be molded, where we can't be shifted, and the uh, potter can't make us what he wants me to be, what, what he wants you to be, let me tell you tonight, church, God wants to mold you. God wants to use you. But you have to make sure you're fostering an environment where God could form you with his hands. We have to make up in our mind that no matter what happens, I'm going to foster an environment that pleases God. Church, you have to be careful what type of environment that you're creating in your home. You have to be careful what type of environment you're creating for your family. Sometimes you're going to have to tell your flesh, I'm not going to do that. That's not the environment that I want to be in. That's not the environment that I could thrive in. That's not an environment that I could mold in. You have to get to a point where you say and you put your foot down and you say, 
I'm going to foster an environment where I can continue to be molded by the potter. I'm going to choose to put God first in all that I knew. I'm in the potter and the hands of the potter, and I want to be molded to what I'm called to be. I want the environment that I am to be an environment that I could thrive so in a way of the hands of the potter that I could move in a way and that I could be anointed. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Well, Brother Troy, you don't know my past, and, and I don't. I mean, I might know a couple of your stories, but not, not all of you, that's for sure. You don't know what I'm up against. And you may be right, but I have a word here for you tonight. You have to get to a place where you decide what environment you want to encourage. You have to take the approach of how can I change the environment around me and not how will I let this bad environment influence me. Once you take that step, the possibilities are endless. You see, some of the most valuable pieces of pottery are pieces that aren't perfect. Tell your neighbor, I'm not perfect. Church, that is the beauty of it. Imperfect pieces often hold the most value because they're unique. There is a reason why an example of a potter was used and not an example of an assembly line. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not a mass-produced piece of uh, Ikea, um, like a plate or something of the sort. <laughs> the pieces that are unable to be duplicated due to their imperfect forms hold the most value because they're considered a rarity. Another rarity is when there may be cracks in the pottery, and I loved when I read this because it said that the beautiful things about the cracks is that you could see the light shine through it. It said the beautiful things about the cracks is that you could see the light shine through it. In a common piece of pottery, when a light shines on it, you can't see the light come through it. But when, when the pottery cracks and it begins to get holes and creases and cracks in it, beautiful light begins to shine through and that entire piece of pottery begins to shine and glimmer in the sun and this is what makes the pottery that much more beautiful you see that's what's beautiful about a testimony you may not be perfect and none of us are you may have a few cracks or a few holes but let me tell you your imperfections and your cracks and your holes are a part of your testimony tonight let me say that your imperfections are a part of your testimony when you see around you your testimony it should have something that rises up inside of you that says, thank God for my testimony. You should be proud of your testimony. Thank God what I'm not what I used to be. Thank God for pulling me out of the world that I came from. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Glory to God. And let me tell you, it doesn't stop there, church. God will continue to mold and shift you into something beautiful. And what you have in front of you is better than what you have behind you. Your future is better than the scars of your past. And thank God for your testimony tonight. Thank God for your deliverance. But let me tell you tonight, something in the hands of the potter, when you're in the hands of the potter, the best is yet to come. Somebody clap your hands tonight. Somebody here tonight has to tune out the voice of the devil that's been telling you you aren't worth nothing because of what you've been through. You need to take a stand against the feelings you've been feeling that you're never good enough. You've made too many mistakes. You need to take a, a stand against the voice of the adversary telling you that you weren't going to be anything. You got Last time I checked, we look at the scoreboard, and we won, and the devil lost. You have to take a stand against that voice of the adversary that's telling you you can't be anointed. You can't be called. You have to take a stand and say, I am what I'm called to be, and I'm in the hands of the potter. Does anybody believe that tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. In the hands of the potter, he can mold you into something that holds so much value that you are priceless. 
In the hands of the potter, he could shift you to be used as he sees fit to the glory of God. In the hands of the potter, you could reflect on your testimony and say, God, thank you for pulling me out. God, thank you for my testimony. God, thank you for molding me into what you've called me to be, and thank you for making a way in my life. Hallelujah. I do want to read a scripture. I'm going to have Brother Jonathan help me. It's going to be Jeremiah 29, and we're going to be reading verse 11 and 14. I will be kind of cutting them off, so I apologize in advance for that. Brother Jonathan, do you have a mic? Jeremiah 29, beginning reading in verse 11. Go ahead, Brother Jonathan. God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you hope for a future. We're not done yet, brother. <laughs> Verse 12. When you call on the name of the Lord, he will listen to you. Verse 13, Brother Jonathan. When you seek God with all your heart, you set the tone for the potter to work in your life. When you begin to transform your environment, God will begin to mold you and shift you in the middle of what you're going through. When you set the tone for the environment and seek God, nothing can hold you back for what the potter has planned for your life. Brother Jonathan, verse 14, please. Turn away from your environment. Turn away from your captivity, and God will begin to pull you out of what's holding you back. Go ahead, Brother Jonathan. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Jonathan. When we begin to set that tone for the environment, we begin to get right with God. The potter begins to mold us and to shift us into what he has planned for our lives. You see, what I find beautiful about the hands is that they're nail-scarred hands. What I think, about, what I think it shows in this particular example when I reference those nail-scarred hands are the representative of the love that Jesus Christ had for us. That he loved us so much, he put himself in flesh and dwelt among us. That he had, that he paid the ultimate sacrifice, no matter the pain that it caused, completely selfless. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that in our lowest moments, he chose to die for us. At our lowest moments, he chose to sacrifice for us. And I believe as they begin to hammer those nails into his hands, God thought of you. You see, what I think when God begins to mold and shift you, it's not only a representative of the plan that he has for your life. I believe it's also representative of the fact that God showed his love through the ultimate sacrifice of those nailed, scarred hands. Although that we make mistakes and although we aren't perfect, God chose to sacrifice himself for you 
Not when you were dressed in your Sunday best, but not when you were living right, but when you were at your lowest. He could have called in a legion of angels, but God chose to die for you and I. And when those, when those same hands of sacrifice, with those same hands that be, had been through so much hurt and so much pain, they begin to hammer those nails into those hands. And with those same hands, God said, I'm going to mold you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to make you what I've called you to be. I'm going to mold you into a masterpiece. I'm going to work with you and all of your flaws. I'm going to work with you every time you fall down. I'm going to work with you every time you make a mistake. I'm going to work with you through every trial. I will mold you. I will use you. I will anoint you. Because in the potter's hands, and the potter loves you. Jesus loves you. Hebrews 13, reading verse 20 and 21, it says, Now the God of peace that bought again from the dead of our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to, to do his will, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And another translation of that, verse 21, reads, God will equip you with every good thing to carry out his will, and, his, and he will strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be. Reading on it says, accomplishment in us which is pleasing in his sight, not our sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pleasing in his sight. We have to get to the point where we say, God, mold me and shift me in a way that pleases you. Not in my sight, God, but in your sight. We have to get to a point where we say, God, I want to be used as you see fit. As you see fit to mold me, I'm ready, willing, and able to be molded into what you've called me to be. I'm going to create an atmosphere where you can call me to be. I am going to cross my T's and I'm going to dot my I's to the best of my ability. I'm going to make sure I'm living right. But God, use me. God, mold me. God, make me into what you've called me to be. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise all over the house. Let's stand all over the house tonight. As the musicians come, I would like to read another scripture in closing. First Peter 4 and 1. It reads, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise as the, with the same mind, for he hath suffered in the flesh, hath ceased from sin. And verse 2 reads, That he no longer should live the rest of his time in flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. God made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He went through pain unimaginable known to man. And sometimes getting to an altar and being vulnerable and getting right with God isn't easy. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes when God begins to mold you and shift you, you might become uncomfortable. But please understand when I'm saying that this comes from a place of love. As we begin to make our way to the altar this evening. You see, God, he made that sacrifice from love. And I believe that it's through love 
that we have to come to a place of vulnerability and accountability where we come to an altar where you begin to get red hot tears that begin to stream down your face and you begin to come to a place of repentance you begin to come to a place of sacrifice and say God I'm giving this to you all of my pain all of my suffering all of my trials I'm choosing you and I'm choosing to submit myself to you God I'm choosing to love you tonight God, mold me and shift me into what you call me to be. As they begin to sing, why don't we begin to lift our hands and pray all over the house tonight. God, we're praying that you begin to mold us and shift us, God, into what you call us to be. God, we praise you tonight. Lord, move in us right now, Jesus.
sing that all over the house to the crowd. Hallelujah, Jesus. tonight and sing that one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Let's give the Lord praise all over the house tonight. Jesus, hallelujah, God. God has a master plan for you. And there will be times where you fall, you crack, and sometimes you've got to start over. But in the hands of the potter, anything is possible for you in your life. Anything's possible for you and your family. Anything's possible for you and your ministry. Do you believe that tonight, church? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray real quick before we leave. God, thank you for ministering to us tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. We're trusting and believing, God, in the plan that you have for our lives, God. We're trusting and believing in every move that you make, God. Every time you shift us, God. Every time you transform us, God, we're trusting and believing that it's all working together in the good for your master plan. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Why don't we uh, shake hands, love one another, and we'll see each other in church on, uh, on Sunday for a revival with uh, Brother Polar. In Jesus' name.